Hello, I'm Dr. Robert O'Connor, Director of Research for the Irish Cancer Society, and this is Decoding Cancer, the podcast that aims to answer your cancer questions. It's been a tumultuous year with the introduction of that new word COVID into many people's vocabulary, but cancer hasn't gone away and it remains as important as ever to watch out for the signs and symptoms that may be a giveaway that all is potentially not right. Half of us will be diagnosed with cancer in our lifetime, but there's a huge amount we can do to reduce the chances of a cancer having a devastating impact on ourselves or a loved one if we pick up the signs early. So what exactly are the telltale signs that experts themselves look out for and we can all check for too? Here to help cast some light on the matter is Dr. Una Kennedy, a GP who advises the HSE's National Cancer Control Programme. And it's great to have you here, Una. And we're also joined by Geraldine Dunphy. Geraldine is a survivor of breast cancer who knows a thing or two about the importance of spotting something wrong. And so I'll come to you uh, first, Geraldine, if that's okay. You were coming home from a night out with friends when you noticed something that concerned you, didn't you? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. It was my birthday, just turned 37. Um, it was a Wednesday evening and another Thursday I'd gone out for dinner with my friends. And when I came home that night, um, as I was getting undressed, I brushed off my breast. An instinct made me examine myself. While examining my breast, I found a lump. It, it was quite small and it, I had to press quite hard to actually feel it. But um, I didn't panic immediately. I examined the other breast to kind of check for differences. And um, I went to bed and I had all sorts of conversations with myself then that night. You know, ah, it's nothing. It'll be fine. It'll go away. You know, I'm too busy in work. I'll go next week to get it checked if it's still there. And I suppose, thankfully, the loudest voice that night was my sensible side. I knew I knew I needed to go and get it checked out. I knew I also knew that it could be a number of things um, and that it could be nothing to worry about. So the next day I just I asked my sister to check to see if she could feel the lump and she could. I knew then that I needed to go get it checked out and find out and find out what it was and hopefully there's nothing to worry about. So that day I went to my GP. She also felt the lump and gave me a referral letter to go for mammogram and an ultrasound. And within a week and a half, I had an appointment and I had a mammogram and an ultrasound and was called back two days later for biopsies. And the doctor that actually took the biopsies told me that they wouldn't know if it was anything to worry about until they got the results back. Um, but that she would be recommending that the breast surgeon remove the lump. So to prepare myself for surgery. The waiting time for the results is extremely stressful. You know, all sorts of scenarios play out in your mind. But I decided I'd prepare for the worst and anything better than that was going to be a bonus. So on the 3rd of September, I got the call to attend the appointment with the breast surgeon and I was diagnosed with triple positive breast cancer. Uh, I had surgery, went through fertility preservation, chemotherapy, targeted therapy called Herceptin, and I continue to take anti-estrogen tablets and continue to do so for another nine years. Well, I suppose looking back on my whole diagnosis, I realised that I never properly listened to my body. You know, in the run up to my diagnosis, I was extremely fatigued and I just put that down to being so busy in work. You know, only having learned a lot now about the signs and symptoms of cancer, I realise how important it is to listen to my body and you know, know what my normal is. And if I notice any changes to go and discuss them with the GP. You know, in my own case, I went to the GP the day after finding my lump and I'm so thankful I did. You know, I found the cancer early and I received my treatment and I'm, I'm doing great now. You know, my hair has gone back. I'm back to work. You know, I'm feeling really good. Yeah, no, d- delighted to hear that, Geraldine, that you've had a great outcome. And, and thanks for outlining what I'm sure was a a very difficult and um, a very challenging time in, in your life. I, I suppose we you mentioned it there and we probably should point out that actually 
a lot of lumps, including on, on breasts and other parts of the body, they can occur for, for various reasons. And as you said, they may not be cancer, but um, but, but best to know. Uh, and um, clearly getting checked out uh, had an important impact on, on your life. Would that, would that be fair to say? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, when I went for my appointment with the GP and, and the, the subsequent test, you know, I that was what was in my mind. I you know, I know a lot of people that have had experience with lumps in their breasts that turned out to be cysts and various other things and nothing to worry about. So I wasn't initially I wasn't too worried. But to me, I suppose knowledge is power so that, you know, if I know if there's something wrong or something to worry about, you know, I'm in a better position and, and more likely than not, you know, for a lot of people, you know, it'll turn out to be something that you don't need to worry about. I, I really like that phrase, actually, Geraldine, to say knowledge is power. And I think. We're, we're really stacking the odds in our favor um when when we uh, catch cancer early I, I might jump across to to una now uh, una uh, obviously you're a gp you see people every day with different stories and different symptoms of, of things and, and geraldine's fascinating real life experience there um it, does detection and early detection make a difference for cancer symptoms and, and cancer diagnosis in general Oh, yeah, it can make a massive difference. And there's no question about it. The sooner you're diagnosed, the better your chances are. And there's really good news on a lot of the cancers in Ireland. I mean, and Geraldine's example is a very good one because people with breast cancer, the find the 10 year survival is so high now if you're diagnosed at stage one. Unfortunately, not so high if you're diagnosed stage four. Um, we're doing great with bowel cancer as well. I and mean, it's nearly 100 percent five-year and 10-year survival, you diagnose stage one versus about as low as 10% you diagnose stage four. So it's really important to get in quickly, to get it picked up quickly. Your outcome is so much better. And also the treatment is less difficult as well. The treatment will be minimized by getting detected sooner. It's a really important thing to do. Yeah, I think that's a, a message that we can't sing um, strongly enough that getting in early um, can really be the difference in, in some cases between um, uh, a relatively easy maybe a surgery or something like that versus much more involved uh, treatments which may not have a, a good outcome. So I'm just interested again you see lots of people coming into your clinic and that maybe you might mention some of the things that you're kind of keeping an eye out and I suppose we might all then look at ourselves and, and keep an eye for these symptoms in ourselves or in our loved ones. What, what would be the key things that you might be keeping an eye out for? Yeah, the, the symptoms of cancer, the early symptoms particularly, can be vague and can be difficult to spot. There's no doubt about it. But there's a few things that we all need to look out for. And the first obvious one is the lump. So in Geraldine's example, the case of the breast lump in the breast that you suddenly find that wasn't there before. Or if you have any lump on the body that's increasing in size very quickly that wasn't there before, get it checked. Similarly, things like weight loss that you can't explain. So if you haven't been dieting or exercising and somehow you're losing weight. If you're bleeding somewhere that you shouldn't be bleeding from, so if you're having rectal bleeding, if you're having bleeding between periods, if you're coughing up bloods, these are all things that need to get checked out. If you have a new cough that you never had before or that isn't going away, get it checked out. If you're feeling extremely tired, now I often think that's a really vague symptom, but Geraldine had it and she's right. You can feel extraordinarily tired. And if, if you have a tiredness that you can't explain through lack of sleep or overwork, get it checked. It should be said, the vast majority of the time, it won't be cancer. I mean, we have about, about say, for lung cancer, about 2,500 cases of lung cancer per year. We've got about 2,500 GPs in the country. So we're only going to see one case per year. So of all the people that come in to me with symptoms, 
most of them aren't going to have lung cancer or breast cancer or prostate cancer but get it checked because the ones that do have it we really want to find them as early as possible and, and would there be symptoms say that might be specific to a particular sex like you know maybe waterworks issues or, or other issues that maybe men might see more commonly or women might see more commonly yeah so for men for example um the biggest cancer for men in Ireland would be prostate cancer, not surprisingly. And again, if you see a change in how you're passing urine, so if you're passing urine more frequently, if you find you're getting up in the night more often than usual to pass urine, or if you find that the flow of urine is slower than it used to be, or obviously, as I said, blood anywhere, if you're passing blood in the urine, that needs to get checked out as well. For women, obviously women don't get prostate cancer, but may well have symptoms if they have, say, uh, ovarian cancer and changes in how you use the toilet, such as constipation or passing urine more frequently or difficulty passing urine. They might all be uh, signs of ovarian cancer. Again, they're not likely to be really, but they just can be. And it's just important to get them checked. I, I suppose, and just while we're talking on some of the sort of more technical aspects, might be useful for us, and if you wouldn't mind, uh, Una, just distinguishing between, say, screening and these kind of symptomatic presentations like Geraldine had, and uh, as you well know and are involved in, we have three uh, screens for, you know, particular ages and so on. And I think maybe sometimes people get a little bit confused between screening programmes and sort of symptomatic presentation. You might maybe bring us through the differences there. Yeah, the, the big difference is that screening is searching for cancer in somebody who doesn't have any symptoms. So in the case of breast cancer, it's taking women between the over the age of 50 and inviting them to mammography every couple of year, years, doing a mammogram on them and checking for anything that might be suspicious for breast cancer. What Geraldine has was that Geraldine actually had symptoms. She actually found a lump and she presented herself to her GP. So they're, they're different things, but um, both useful and both very effective. We also have bowel screening where people over the age of 60, between the ages of 60 and 69, are asked to do a simple test every couple of years to check for anything that might be suspicious for bowel cancer. And again, that's a highly effective screening test. And finally, we have cervical screening where women over the age of 25 in Ireland are invited for a cervical smear test every few years to look for cells that might be suspicious for cancer cells. And if folks weren't getting their automatic letters from those, they can go on to the websites for those services. Is that right? And, and they can just they can just check and put their name in if they're not automatically getting their letters or whatever. Is that the case? They can. And and it's something that I've, I've done myself. Occasionally, people have presented to me and said, why am I not getting called for my screening test? You get online in the quickest, quickest of flash, you get the phone number and just phone up there and then and you get sorted out really quickly. It should be said that all screening programs really, really, really want to hear from you. So if you do phone up out of the blue like that, you get a very warm reception from them. They're very keen to bump up their screening rates, particularly bowel screen. Um, our screening uptake for bowel screen isn't great and they really are trying to increase it. So, Geraldine, um, we were chatting just before we, we started recording the podcast and you were saying there have been some more recent developments. Uh, and I suppose against the backdrop of COVID, I suppose we, we all have a little bit of worry about health and healthcare and that at the minute. So so what happened to you more recently? And I suppose, um, how did you find um, engagement with, uh, with the health system um, your, yourself during that time? Yeah, so in it was June of this year and I found another lump on my breast. And as, as you know, like worst case scenario flashes into your mind, especially because of my history. But, um, you know, 
But obviously, given my history, I knew I needed to go straight away and get it checked out. So I contacted my GP. And at the time, obviously, because of COVID, um, they were doing there was a lot of online consultations where possible. But obviously, you know, I needed to see the doctor in person. Um, so I booked an appointment, went to see the GP. And to be honest with you, it was fine. It was the same as the last time. It was the same as pre-COVID, you know, except obviously we all we both had masks on. He had PPE on. It was totally fine. He he examined me, felt lump and um, referred me back to um, my consultant. And again, then I had to go for mammograms and ultrasounds. And again, it was the same procedure as pre-COVID. There was no difference, only in the sense that obviously people were in a lot more PPE in the hospital. I had to wear a mask myself, but I felt totally safe. I wasn't worried about going to see the GP or the hospital um, into the hospital for my appointment. Um, you know, and, and I didn't have any any issues. I didn't feel unsafe at all. It just really felt exactly like the, the time I had gone pre-COVID. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that worked out well for you, Geraldine. And um, I, I can't imagine, again, the stress that and worry that that might have brought up. But thankfully, it's, it's had a good outcome. Um, so, Una, I might pass back over to you. Um, Geraldine has outlined her uh, experience, which thankfully was a positive one. Um, but we do know that um, a minority of people are worried about getting COVID and, you know, it being almost in the ether and that and particularly around doctors and hospital appointments at the minute. Is that the case? And I mean, could you maybe bring us through the experience that let's say I was a, somebody who was worried I was a, a regular smoker and I was I'd had a cough now for the last month or two. What what might happen um, to me and, and, you know, how would I be seen and so on? Yeah, people shouldn't be concerned. And the perception is that it's not safe to attend healthcare, But the reality is that you, it is safe and you really must attend healthcare if you need it. What will happen, though, is that if you phone your GP, you probably won't get an appointment straight away. And we've had this situation in my practice where somebody phones and we try to make sure that we get them down at a safe time. So, for example, if you are over 70 and you phone, I'll make sure that you're not in the practice at the same time as a child with a fever, for example. We'll keep you separated out. You'll also find that the place smells like a tub of Domestos because we are cleaning everything. You'll find that we're wearing all the... the PPE, the mask, the apron, the gloves, everything is wiped down before you come in and after you leave. We're keeping two metres apart from you. The windows are open, so the place is ventilated. And we will uh, make sure or try to make sure that you're in and out within about 15 minutes because that's the cutoff time for considering people to be a contact. So you're in and out really quickly and it really is a safe thing to do. People shouldn't be concerned. Um, unfortunately, when COVID hit Ireland, there was a significant decline in the number of people being referred to the cancer clinics in Ireland. And we were very worried about that at that time. It does seem to have recovered somewhat now, and that's fantastic. But it's really important for people to remember that cancer isn't going to just go away just because COVID is here. Cancer is going to keep happening and we need to find you. We really do want to hear from you if you have, if you have symptoms. So would your message be then, I, I suppose, that uh, if one needs to access a doctor, if one maybe doesn't know what's going on or if one has a regular appointment, say a follow up uh, and, and Geraldine may have follow ups, for example, on her uh, on her treatment at the minute, that those are absolutely as safe as they can be. Would that, would that be a fair summary of the message? Yeah, they really are. And we're doing everything we possibly can to make them safe. And the most important thing is to phone. So even if you're worried about coming down to be seen, phone. We can figure it out after that. 
but we need to hear from you to figure it out. So at least if you phone and talk to us over the phone, after that, we can sort everything out. Uh, and, and obviously, I think a lot of the hospitals now also have additional measures, things like screening, the folks with the um, those infrared thermometers, are, they're lasering your head and, 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 and that. So um, I, I think it is important because I, I guess we all worry, whether that's members of the public or for loved ones or professionals, that we may be missing uh, some folks. And uh, obviously their cancer will ultimately um, present. So um, delays um, may, may have longer impact. So I suppose we are all adjusting to to that COVID um, situation and that. Una, I might, I might just ask one um, last question there. In terms of the number of diagnoses that you might make as a as a doctor and that, are there differences in ages and in age groups? Are, are there particular ages maybe where um, we may need to pay even more attention um, or, or particular groups of people where we might need to pay even more attention to symptoms than, than maybe than to some of the others? Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, it has to be stressed that cancer can affect anybody at any age. That's true. But some groups are more at risk than others. And a good example of that would be lung cancer, where the average age or the median age of diagnosis is between the ages of 70 and 74 years. And of course, these are the very people who've been told to cocoon during COVID. Um, so these are people we particularly need to watch out for GPs and we're particularly concerned about. So it tends to be a disease more of older people. Breast cancer tends to affect slightly younger people as does bowel, as does melanoma. Um, but I suppose it should be said nobody is immune um, and you can occasionally um, find that somebody quite unexpectedly at a young age has a cancer that you really weren't expecting them to have. So if people watch out for their symptoms, and I think as Jody said, get to know your own body, know when something isn't right for you and get it checked. I mean, as I say, the vast majority of time, it'll be nothing, but just get it checked. Mm -hmm. So Geraldine, I might leave the, the final word with you. And I think you had some really sage advice at the, at the outset there. And as someone who's been there, what would your advice be to someone maybe listening in at home, listening in on their phone? Maybe they're worried about going to their GP at the minute. Maybe they're fearful of finding the worst if they uh, if they did seek help uh, or perhaps um, they don't want to bother with their GP. Um, you know, life is busy, different things going on, different troubles in our minds. I mean, what would what would your advice be to someone um, out there in, in those kind of situations at the minute? I suppose biggest thing I would just ask people and I've been very open about my cancer diagnosis is to be is is to raise awareness about being self-aware about your body you know I know we spoke about having um, fantastic cancer screening programs in Ireland you know but say for breast cancer and um, because of my age I'm not eligible for them programs and um, you know so the fact that um you know I found the lump myself because I examined my breast was so important you know so I'd ask people just to be really self-aware and if they you know know what their own normal is and if they notice any abnormal changes to go visit their GP, you know, go and have them conversations. And as I said, I've been to the GP even throughout COVID and, you know, it, it's totally safe. And I suppose early detection is so important, especially in cancer diagnosis and um, for a good prognosis. And um, that's why it's so important that you should, you know, be self-aware and go to your GP as soon as you notice anything. I think that's a really great insight, um, Geraldine. Thanks so much for that and, and very helpful advice. So I, I'd just like to finish up by expressing my gratitude to um, Geraldine Dunphy and, of course, to Dr. Una Kennedy for joining our chat today and sharing her own considerable knowledge on this area for the benefit of anyone who needs it. So I'll finish again by flagging our dedicated Irish Cancer Society support line 
which is free phone 1-800-200-700. And that's available for anyone who has any query or question Monday to Friday on any aspect of cancer. You can also email supportline at irishcancer.ie to speak to one of our specialist cancer nurses. You can find out more about and support the vital research work funded by the Irish Cancer Society by visiting www.cancer.ie. Thank you for listening and do be sure to tune in for next week's episode of Decoding Cancer, where we'll be seeking to answer the most pivotal of questions. Will there ever be a cure for cancer? Cancer.